welcome to Therapist Spotlight. Hello everybody, welcome to Anta's Therapist Spotlight, the podcast where we aim to showcase our wonderful members to the wider community. I'm your host Joshua Brooks and with us today is Jessica Bays. Jessica is a clinical nutritionist who's a PhD candidate for nutrition and mental health, so I can see this is going to be an excellent conversation. Jessica, how are you today? I'm good, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Ah, it's an absolute pleasure. So, first inaugural question, what got you into natural medicine? Well, um, straight out of high school, I actually studied to be a beauty therapist, and Mm. I was really interested in treating skin. And I was working with some amazing practitioners, but noticing no matter what skincare they were using, there were some uh, clients who just couldn't resolve their acne, their rosacea. So I started doing a bit of my own research, looking at how things like diet can play a role in skin health. Mm. And once you dive down that rabbit hole, you know, <laughs> it's a whole other world. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll do a, a short course or a certificate or something online in nutrition to add to that um, practice. Mm. And then next thing I know, I signed up to do the full three-year <laughs> degree. And at the end of the first week, I was like, no, I'm going to be a nutritionist. This is what I'm going to do. This is amazing. I love it. So that's how I got into it. I'd been um, vegetarian since a teenager. So I was used to looking up nutrition and books and things like that, um, Mm. but never really considered it as a career path. And then, yeah, straight away, I was hooked. So what got you into, say, nutrition over naturopathy? Like, why did you choose, like, nutrition instead of, yeah, going down that sort of other path? What grabbed you about that? I think it was a bit intimidating seeing naturopathy being four years. So I think I went for the the three years thinking, oh, that's a bit shorter, a bit quicker. Um, But I really fell in love with nutritional biochemistry. Um, I did my honours degree on the bioavailability of different forms of folate and MTHFR mutations and that sort of thing. So nutrition has always grabbed me more. Mm, Yeah, nice. And so why mental health? Where did that love come from or where did that interest Mm. come from? Yeah. So probably about halfway through the degree, I realised that I loved research and that I wanted Mm -hmm. to go on and do research. Um, And I think still at that point, I hadn't really found a niche. Everyone was talking about specialising and I felt very lost. I was like, Mm. how am I going to choose a niche? And people kept saying, well, well, what are you interested in? What what does it come back to? And I've had my own mental health issues and um, my younger brother has got lots of mental health issues Mm. as well. And that's really um, probably what stemmed, like we all do, doing our own extra research into those areas um men's mental health in particular i think isn't talked about enough and particularly um healthy diets when it comes to men it's seen as you know girls eat salad (laughs) not boys that sort of thing so i definitely thought there was room in that space for a lot of improvement yeah wow excellent and so yeah you're a phd candidate you're lecturing at endeavor do you see clients um outside you have a clinic or are you just sort of more in that academic space no, so I wear many hats. Yep. So I have my own clinical practice two days a week. Mm-hmm. Usually it's a physical space with yep. the Melbourne lockdown, not so much, but I'm very lucky to be in a multi-modality clinic. So yeah, about half of the rooms are um, psychologists. Wow. So working in the mental health space, I get so many referrals from them, which is really wonderful. Um, we're very collaborative there. Mm -hmm. mostly my practice is online (laughs) because I'm in Melbourne 
So the lockdowns have made that really tricky, but it's mm -hmm. been really interesting moving into that telehealth space um, with the flexibility of being able to see people at all times from all over Australia, which is quite great now. Yeah. Um, I'm also, as you said, lecturing at Endeavour College as well. So mm -hmm. I teach clinical nutritional medicine, which is a huge subject. And I'm also a supervisor in the student clinic as well, which is really yeah. great working with students that are about to finish um, and getting some hands-on experience. So that's great as well. Yeah, and wow. then in addition to that, <laughs> I also am a research assistant at the Australian um, and Complementary um, Centre at UTS, University mm -hmm. of Technology, Sydney. So they have a um, complementary and alternative medicine kind of hub where they put out lots of really amazing research. So I'm working with them as well yeah, and cool. doing my PhD. So <laughs> they're awesome. all my hats. <laughs> yeah, wow. Busy, 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 busy. Busy, busy, busy. <laughs> so... um. How have you found it then with your multimodality and your psycho and your psychologists? Have they been quite open to how nutrition does affect it or has it been a hard sell? How, how has that worked? Is, is it, yeah. Yeah. So that's a really interesting question. So most of them are really on board, which mm -hmm. is wonderful. Um, yep. They're very open to that sort of yeah, thing. Cool. I was invited to give a, uh, a talk to the Australian Psychological Society, um, about six months ago, where I mm -hmm. gave a big presentation on nutritional psychiatry and what it, what we do and how it can help and how we can integrate our services together, which yeah, was cool. really great and had some of the best questions um, in the discussion at the end. Everyone was really keen, really on board. Um, so that was really wonderful. I know that there are quite a few um, naturopaths who mm -hmm. have studied psychology and there are some really difficult logistical issues around they have to separate their practice. Yeah, for sure. So that's, um, they have lots of rules around a psychologist not being able to also see people for atropathy. Mm. Um, and a friend of mine is doing her PhD on that. Yeah. So that's a whole other interesting logistical issue. <laughs> yeah. Big government regulations. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, well, that's excellent that they've been open to it and they've been working through uh, what have you found is, I guess, your most common referral from them then? Like, is it, is it just sort of every, like, not everyone, but is it, is it just for like that dietary problems? Is it for gut health? Is it for, like you said, with the, with the genome testing and the M M MFTR gene or is it, yeah, what, what's, what's sort of been the most common referral that you get from them? Yeah. So it depends on the psychologist. Mm -hmm. um, some of them just refer all of their clients to Zimi. They think yeah. that there's a place for us to work. Everyone's diet can do with improvement, hey? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone can do tweaks. Everyone can improve something, um, you know, and it depends on the patient and, you know, how severely they're affected. You know, some of them might not even, you know, particularly those that are really depressed, can't leave the house, going to the mm -hmm. supermarket is a huge ask, you know, sure. so it's just really simple, like, okay, how can we get you eating breakfast? Mm -hmm. um, and others, it's much more um, fine-tuned, sophisticated kind of prescribing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So some of them prescribe, um, sorry, refer all of their um, patients to come see, which is great. Others are only for the really difficult ones who they think, okay, I've gone as far as I can go. Let's, you know, look out to other modalities now to see how we can really add. Yeah, for sure. And it makes so much sense. Like if your body's starving for certain nutrients or something like that, like it's going to put you into that stress state straight away. So 
you know, mindset and stuff. You know, one of my favorite quotes is that willpower is not an infinite resource, right? Willpower is a finite resource. And so when you're constantly under stress, pushing that willpower through, it just just gives puts that hill a lot higher and a lot steeper, I find. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, you know, particularly talking about things like antidepressants, mm. um, you know, it's a bit controversial, <laughs> I suppose. Um, but more and more psychologists are open to alternatives mm, as well, mm. um, which has been really good to see. Yeah, definitely. And we hear a lot about the gut-brain axis and how that works. So are you doing a lot of different gut health within your practice for that? Or how does that work with you? I mean, everything comes back to the gut, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a saying that you hear at school all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a huge part of everything that I do. Um, we know that all of the various different mechanisms that are involved with um, food and mental health come back to gut pathways, yeah. you know, whether it's vagal nerve, whether it's BDNF in the brain, whether it's serotonin, whether it's whatever, mm -hmm. the gut plays a role in all of those different pathways. So if we can get the gut right, you know, that's yeah. half the battle. Yeah, perfect. So. We'll go on to and move on to a little bit of the brass tacks now. So say I'm a, I'm a client and I'm looking to come to you. What does a consultation look like? What sort of questions can I expect? And what are you really wanting to know from me when I come to you? Yeah, absolutely. So prior to coming in, I would usually find out what you're coming in for. Mm -hmm. So sometimes um, that's really vague. It's just preferred by psychologist, mental health support. Sometimes, um, you know, you'll volunteer heaps of information and send through heaps of blood tests, you know. I see quite a mix of all those different things. Yeah. Consultations at the moment are all via Zoom, so telehealth, and they go for an hour. And mm. sort of the first half of that is me asking you lots and lots of questions, really finding out as much as I can. And then mm -hmm. the other half is explanation. It's, you know, um, education around the different things that I want you to start off doing. Mm -hmm. And so for anybody out there who's thinking about coming to you, what sort of tests would you like them to bring to you or would you just prefer for them to talk to you and then you'll um, send them off to their GP for specific ones? What, what's that kind of look like in your world and what would you prefer your clients to bring to you? I love tests. Mm -hmm. As soon as I get my hands on tests, it's just like you want to sink your teeth into them. <laughs> I think we all love tests, don't we? <laughs> no, some people, um, yeah. So, you know, I see the whole range of people that have never had a single test or have had something done and the doctor goes, oh, it's fine, and they never actually sent them a copy, all yep. the way through to people who have had every test under the sun. They've exhausted all of the standard Medicare tests and they've maybe gone outside of that to naturopath and had mm -hmm. hundreds of dollars spent on functional testing and things like that. So I see the whole range. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know... Testing is great. I understand testing can be expensive though. So mm -hmm. I try and do it within the parameters of, you know, Medicare and what you can get your GP to test for you. Yep. But um, sometimes we do have to go down the naturopath, those functional testing, if they can afford it. Yeah, perfect. And so then after that, what's a, and, I, and again, I'll preface this because I know everyone's different and every client's different, but what can people expect for a treatment plan from you? Are you more of like i'll tell you what to eat and do a meal plan or are you sort of more like a, that well we'll just teach you how to stack your plate are you very much into the nutraceuticals and different mineral elements what's yeah, what's your treatment plan look like especially for that mental health space 
Absolutely. So it's given me one of those annoying answers of it depends on the client. Um, but it really does. I tend not to give people meal plans because mm -hmm. I don't think that really teaches people long term and they become reliant on it. What happens when they don't want to do it anymore when they go on holiday? You know, it doesn't teach people lifelong skills. Yeah. So I tend to do lots of easy, small changes that then add up to big changes on the long run. Mm. So for my PhD, I'm looking at a trial in depressed young men. So 18 to 25 year olds with depression, mm. quite severe depression. So I can't get them to overhaul their diet overnight. It's just really tiny, small, encouraging steps to begin with. So, yeah. you know, it might be things like, okay, how can we add a piece of fruit in here? How can we maybe just have one slice of white bread, one slice of brown bread, or mixing their white rice with their brown rice? You know, mm. really small, simple steps. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, and on the nutraceutical part, are you are you big into sort of nutraceuticals and are you big into maybe putting those bioflavonoids and everything like that that you can find or how does that work in your practice and yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, so I definitely think supplements have their place and mm -hmm. there are some really amazing studies coming out, particularly on saffron for um, depression mm -hmm. and randomised control tr trials comparing saffron to SSRIs and yeah, then wow, matching cool. or beating them. So most yeah, studies are usually, um, you know, an SSRI, say, fluoxetine with saffron compared mm -hmm. to an SSRI alone. Well, more and more studies are coming out actually comparing them against each other now. And saffron is either matching or beating them, which yeah, is awesome. awesome. Yeah, so, uh, so 100%, you know, something like a... Um, uh, there's some good supplements now, and I won't name brands, but yeah. that, um, that have saffron, turmeric, lavender, things like that in them, which are yeah, amazing, cool. which yeah, are, are so, so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, perfect. And so would you like to, I don't know if you're allowed to, but would you like to delve into a little bit more about your research sort of work and what, and what this study is? Because it sounds really interesting. So what can you sort of explain to us about that? Well, I think it, I might be biased, but I think it's super interesting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I well, started I'm a big, off doing... I'm been to the, like, I do a lot of men's work, and I do know how underreported mental health is in, in the in the masculine space. And so, yeah, this to me is incredibly fascinating as well. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, I've done a whole number of different projects in my PhD. I've done a, a literature review on polyphenols for mental health and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, but one of the first projects I did was a, a survey where we asked about 400 young men with depressions in that 18 to 25 year old age group about their diets mm. and what they think about diet and mental health, as in, do they think their diet has any impact on their symptoms? Would they be willing and open to change it if it might help their symptoms? Those sorts of things. Because when I was at telling lots of people about my research going i'm going to get them to eat a healthy mediterranean diet it's going to improve their depression people are like oh that's great but you won't get them to change their diet they will not be interested in that at all so mm. we did the survey to ask them well what do you think and the overwhelming majority were like yeah my diet definitely impacts my depression and if it would help i would change it 100 percent." Wow, cool. so that was amazing and yeah, really That's validating. Yeah. <laughs> it was super validating because then I could get funding for my study. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so recruitment started for the randomized control trial that I'm doing at the moment, started in 
March last year, which is probably the worst time to start a <laughs> clinical trial, COVID. So yeah. we had to go and um, make some changes to ethics and contingency plans and stuff like that. So now that's yeah. all done on telehealth, which is actually better because now I can I can treat guys all over Australia, which is really awesome. For sure, yeah. And it's a it's a twelve week study, mm -hmm. so they have to follow a healthy Mediterranean diet as well as they're able to for the twelve mm -hmm. weeks. And I've just recruited the last participant last week, um, and oh, the results are amazing. Yeah, good. I can't say I can't say too much. Yeah, no, but, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, like to the point where people are saying to me, you know, I I couldn't leave the house. I had no energy, and now they're sending me text messages saying I got a job. Like I'm, you know, out doing things. I'm socializing. I I'm not having panic attacks. Like it's just been so rewarding. It's mm. the best thing I've done with my life to date. Yeah, wow. That's just absolutely amazing to hear. Really, really is. And so have you got sort of, I guess, further plans now of looking at those sort of maybe like those supplement um, researchers that you were thinking about, like how to maybe improve? And again, especially if they don't necessarily have access to eating the Mediterranean diet or if there are, you know, I guess, cooking um, skill shortages and that sort of stuff, which does seem to be prevalent. Yeah, have, have you sort of thought about like that sort of space maybe for researchers and how's that going yeah. in your whole world? Yeah, absolutely. Because with that demographic, there are so many barriers, you know, mm. um, they might be living in student accommodation and just have a shared kitchen. So they don't for even sure, want to yeah. buy fresh food to put in the fridge because other people are going to eat it. Um, mm -hmm. Lots of them don't even have a frying pan of their own, you know, let <laughs> alone a, a, a bullet and things like that. So there's been a lot of barriers. So many of them don't like fish which makes yeah. it very hard to follow the Mediterranean diet. So yes, I think nutraceuticals in that specific demographic would mm. be really, really beneficial, maybe even more so than the general population, just because sure, of yeah. those additional barriers around, you mm. know, cost of fresh food, um, you know, cooking, literacy, all those sorts of things. So yes, that would be my future plan. <laughs> And how, and then how have you found the teaching in the student clinic as well for people who are interested? How's, how's, and lecturing, how's that been in your world? So rewarding. It's mm. so much fun being in the student clinic, being yeah. out and mold and shape and mentor is something that I'm really passionate about mm -hmm. um, and absolutely love. It's really, really rewarding. I remember how terrified I was when I was in the student clinic. You just think, oh, you've got to get everything right all of the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think I can bring that compassion because I can remember how scared I was when it was me. And have you noticed that by teaching and by educating and mentoring, it's actually made you a better practitioner? And have you found like it's highlighted a fair few of like your blind spots and you can be like, oh, never thought of it like that. Has that sort of happened to you? Absolutely. Um, I say this to people all the time that I think being, I think it goes both ways. I think being in research mm. um, makes me better at being in clinical practice because I yeah. can read articles. I know what the latest stuff is saying. I can really synthesize the information really well. But I think being in clinical practice also makes me a better researcher. For sure. Because yeah. researchers can get a bit disconnected with, you know, clinical practice and you're mm -hmm. so caught up in you know, hypothetical and research questions that you can forget what matters to the person. Yeah, yeah. It might not be what matters, you know, you might be looking at scale, rating scales or things like that, but it's like, is that what matters to them and mm -hmm. their life? 
So yeah, I think definitely. it balances me out nicely. Yeah, awesome. Well, we're just coming up on time, Jessica. So just thank you so much for coming here. So for anybody out there who is maybe struggling with their mental health and is looking for a really good practitioner, which you seem to be, I, <laughs> where can they where can they contact you? Where can they get in touch with you? Where's yeah? Where's your contact details? What's the best way? Uh, yes, so they can reach me via email, which mm -hmm. is info at jessicadaysnutrition.com. That's yep. probably the best way. And um, yeah, I'd be happy to help. Perfect. Well, again, guys, all the details will be in the description box below. But Jessica, we'd just like to thank you so much for coming on Therapist Spotlight. It's been wonderful sharing the space with you. Thank you for having me. It's perfect. And for everybody else out there, have a great day and we'll catch us all next time. Eh? See ya. Thank you for listening to Therapist Spotlight. If you would like to know more about ANTAR, visit us at www.anta.com.au.